I can't wait to talk about Taylor Swift and the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> uh, well, well, I'll allow it. <laughs> She's going to bring down our entire government. Oh, but she works. But she works for Joe Biden. She's going to announce no, at the yeah, Super Bowl. Yes, it, how many times do I have to have this talk with you? She works for Joe Biden. Pump, 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 pump it up. <laughs>Welcome back to the Trilateral Troika. This is Steve, along with the other Steve. Hello, I'm the other Steve. And Ryan. So, I I showed you guys what I was drinking tonight, and this drink, I, I only bought it because Did a buddy you? of mine said that it was good, right? It's Where'd from you? Baltimore. It's you? Oh, oh, I didn't see it. Oh, there it yeah, is. It's, it's, it's Duke Law Brewing. It's, it's from Baltimore. Um, but originally, I looked at it as like it was a gimmick. It was It's called Unicorn Farts After Dark. Chocolate cinnamon breakfast stout with gold glitter. Man, that and doesn't I was sound like, good. It's so. Here's the deal. That's I, I was like eh, kind of skeptical. On the Chocolate cinnamon breakfast stout with gold glitter. When you pour it out, does it kind of look like troll blood or something? It's it's it it just looks like a stout when you pour it out. But it has um, and it has gold kinda, glitter, right? So I was kind of disappointed because you can't see it. I was expecting it to look like fucking gold slugger, right? Well, that's <laughs> fucking bullshit. I mean, what but, the fuck? If you hold a light up to it, you can see the glitter in there and like swirling. Well, around, then they should so. give you a fucking light with every six pack. That's fucking bullshit. It'd be nice, wouldn't it? False fucking goddamn marketing. It does taste good though. Like I, I, I have to give it credit. It, 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 it it's good. Um, well, it's probably better. It's probably better than good. <laughs> chocolate cinnamon breakfast stout with Gary glitter. You know. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, speaking of world leaders <laughs> in their fields, uh, who are we oh, talking also, about BT this does week? right up at the top. Listen, right up at the top. R.I.P. to the real one, Carl Weathers. Oh, uh, yeah. Not forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. The, the owner of the handshake. The ultimate man handshake. He's firing that, that MP5 in perpetuity up in He's heaven. He's pushing too many pencils up in heaven. Yeah. <laughs> Action Jackson, you will be missed. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Well, you know who could talk, who could possibly talk to Carl Weathers, or, or would like to find out if you could talk to Carl Weathers, is who we're going to be talking about today. Edgar Casey. Not Edgar Casey, but someone who was alive during the same time period as Edgar Casey. Oh, Madame a- Wolvatsky? <laughs> uh, I think around the same time as well. Um, but a uh, British... A paranormal uh, researcher named Harry Price. I never heard of him. Related to Vincent? Yes. (laughs) Yes. I tell you, you don't want to go into a room and pay the Harry Price. Then you're in the wrong room, you know? But no, he's not related to Vincent Price. Or his nephew, Gordy. (laughs) Gordy. That's disappointing. Um, So Harry Price, he was born on January 17th, 1881. Um, although he would claim that he was born in Tropshire. Wow. How he, old is he now? Uh, dead. <laughs> 200 years old. <laughs> Ryan's like mid-sip of his unicorn shit. Yeah, you literally, they should have just called it one. unicorn shits after dark, you know? 
Because that's what, um, like, unicorn diarrhea would look like. It would be runny, brown chocolate with gold glitter you can only see with a flashlight, you know? I wonder if my poop's going to sparkle. Nah, this isn't, this isn't asparagus. <laughs> <laughs> do do so you guys remember the first time you learned about the asparagus thing? Or did someone warn you? I, I learned about it first. I we did learned. not learn. That tracks for you. I did not learn about it first. I just about it. I ate like a fucking gigas portion of asparagus, and then I went in the bathroom and started peeing, and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it was like when Peter farted for the first time in Family Guy. <laughs> what the hell was that? You know? I could not believe it. I went. I was like, I, I had to like look it up. You know, but if it was pre-Google, like pre-iPhone, I would be very he already, scared. He already had a nine and one already in the phone. He was just waiting to do the other one as he as he was furiously <laughs> reading on the computer. I want you to sit here with this phone for two days, and if my pee smell doesn't get better, I want you to hit one again. <laughs> Looks like toxic waste coming out of his urethra. <laughs> oh my god! Just, just, it, just well, it had glitter, but you needed to put a light on it. Just, just, just smoke, smoke coming <laughs> off the toilet bowl as he pees in it, like, like acid, just like that uh, <laughs> evaporator, evaporator, whatever it is that comes off, like when when acid like like burns something. Jesus ah, Christ. yeah. Um. Uh, so is this like Man, we didn't even get British... this guy's birthday yet? Jesus, <laughs> listen, is this like the uh, the the British version of like Ed and Lorraine Warren, but just not? Uh, concerned with demons, more or less, just kind of like ghosts. Well, he's he, he's not a he he's not a he's not a grifter. I'll say that much. He actually genuinely believes okay. in the paranormal. <laughs> um, and but but he actually does like we'll get to. He actually does a lot of like debunking. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was um he was an associate of like Harry Houdini's, and and he does uh, bump heads with uh, Arthur Conan Doyle. Okay. Um, but but during that time period in in the late nineteenth century up until the early twentieth century, there was like, like this obsession bump, with did they bump heads while they were trying to get a bump off the table? Yeah, they were. You know, they were in the gentleman's club, and yeah. Doyle was bogarting and tried to get in there. Um, he was actually born in London, um, and he was educated in Newcross uh, first at the Waller Road Infant School and then at the Haberdashers. Asks uh, Hatcham Boys School. Uh, go ahead and say that again. Have <laughs> a, <laughs> a deep breath. Asks Hatcham Boys School. I need you to say it how they would say it. Is that the <laughs> Triple H School? Yes, this is the Triple H School. <laughs> the, right. the Hemsleys have been running it for for years, or the the Levinasks, I should say, is their yeah. their actual name. Goddamn Frenchmen in England. Um, at fifteen. Uh, he founded the Carlton Dramatic Society um, and wrote plays, including a drama about an early experience with a poltergeist he had, which he said took place in a haunted manor um, house in Shropshire. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to a biographer of his, Richard Morris, um, in his book, Harry Price, the Psychic Detective, uh, Price came to the attention of the press when he claimed an early interest in space, space uh, telegraphy. What the fuck is telegraphy? What, what, what the hell is space telegraphy? Well, I would I would expect you to know all about space telegraphy, uh, Steve. He's he was a ham guy who was born before ham existed. Ah. He set up he set up a receiver and a transmitter between Telegraph Hill 
Hatcham and St. Peter's Church, uh, Broccoli, mm. and captured um, and captured a spark on a photographic plate. I am into like QRP and the history of it, but I've like literally never heard of telegraphy before. So that's that's pretty cool. Wait, I'll um, look that up. So wait, <clears throat> so what did he do? He got a picture of a spark, basically. Well, yeah, he he, he sort of like got a spark from that, and then. Um, <clears throat> It was just just saying that um, it was just a press release saying that he carried out the experiment, but like nothing was learned from it. Mm. Unlike the okay. guy that approached me one one weekend at a uh, at a ham event and and literally spent probably thirty minutes talking about how he has systems set up to basically track the motion of galactic star clouds <laughs> via radio waves, via microwave what? radio waves, background microwave. What? It was amazing. He had a whole like book of charts and all this stuff. I was like, that's cool. I was like, why do you do that? He's because yeah, you can. <laughs> okay. That's what they do. So Harry Price's uh, early radio experiment was much like me, like in middle school at the science fair, uh, learning nothing at all, doing my product, my projects on photosynthesis. <laughs> what was it? It was a little more impressive though, because he, he was like. You know, doing this during a time period where this stuff was unheard of. So the local newspapers are like, really, a local boy does something incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I would love to be able to go back in time and just show them, like, the most useless shit from, like, an elementary school science fair with the volcano made of vinegar and baking soda and just blow people's minds. <laughs> Look at this. I can conduct electricity through a potato. <laughs> people are hey, people like, so people- well- People are like running out of the room. Like women are screaming. What's electricity? What's that? That volcano will kill us all. I would be locked up so fast if I went back too far in time. You'd be right, thrown right in jail. You gotta bring that. He's a witch. He is. He's a witch. You gotta bring that book. The the like. um, I forget what it's called. Not sitting up there on my on my safe. It's um the Mister Wizard book. No. Oh shit! The reference, like the the reference book. Yeah, from the Mr. Wizard show. No, not what at is, all. What is the reference um, book? It's like this book that used to be on, uh, remember Think Geek? Oh, God, The complete yeah. reference yeah. book. It's like this little pocketable book that like has almost all minute like information you could ever want uh, if you needed to reference something. Like everything. Farmer's Almanac? Book no, book. this is not bullshit. This is like literal science and like, Chemistry and and if this is a size real thing? translations. Yeah, yeah. Don't play with me. Is this a real thing? Real thing? Yeah, I'll link it to you. Okay. I, I mean, I'm I gonna go get it. my cell phone, but you know. Um, but uh, Price he had interest in coin collecting and wrote several articles for the uh, the school newspaper or right, the magazine of the school, I should say. Haberdashery. It's called the Pocket Ref <laughs> by Thomas Glover. It is. About the size, like, of a deck of tarot cards. It's 860 pages. And, I mean, it has so much shit in it. It's ridiculous. But, like, if you were, like, an engineer, like, back in the day, you'd be God. Because everything's in there. Dimensions 3.25 by 1.55 inches. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, there's a lot of info in it that's kind of, like, out of... Date. Now I'm sure there's new versions of it, but you know, August 31st, 2010 is this version I'm looking at. 
Well, yeah. I think back in like the 1890s, I don't think they even had slide rules yet, so you could just. <laughs> oh yeah, all that stuff's in here too, like how to make, how to do measurements, every single uh, electricity thing that we know, like all the calculations, you know. Again, um, I, I have a thing called a, a Galaxy S whatever the fuck plus. Yeah. <laughs> that effectively does the same thing. Yeah, absolutely, you fucking goddamn uh, killjoy. But, uh, you know, it's cool <laughs> that you have this book, you know, too. Because when your fucking battery dies and the energy grid is completely down, I'm going to measure EMP everything. And my phone doesn't work. I'm going to know exactly how long a trout should be. <laughs> Well, we I'm going to know the, uh, how many tons of force are required to punch structural steel. I just turned to oh, that page. Listen, keep keep that information away from Kyle. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, in his autobiography, The Search for Truth, written between 1941 and 1942, Rice claimed that he was involved with archaeological excavations in Greenwich Park, uh, London, but in earlier writings on Greenwich, he denied such any. Uh, he denied he had any involvement. Um, from around May of 1908, uh, he continued with his interest in archaeology at uh, Pulborough, Sussex, and then where he uh, where he uh, moved um, prior to uh, marrying his wife Constance uh, Mary Knight, uh, August in August of 1908. Mm. Um, as well as working at, as a newspaper uh, a salesman for paper merchants, um, uh, Edward Saunders and Sons. He wrote for two local Sussex newspapers, the West Sussex Gazette and the Southern Weekly News, in which he um, in which he related his ability to find uh, "quote unquote" clean antiquities. Clean antiquities, <clears throat> um, like what does that mean? Like not stolen? Um, just just antiquities that are in like good shape. Okay. Um, one of these was a a silver uh, ingot that was uh, discovered by. Uh, um, Richard Morris, and it was housed in Price's collection of, of artifacts, um, and um, it was stamped, it, it was believed to be stamped around the time of the Roman Emperor uh, uh, Honorius. Should have just went to Hobby Lobby. It would have got him all the antiquities that he, Honorius? That, uh, he wanted. Yeah, Honorius. Yeah. Uh, a few years later, um, another uh, archaeologist, Charles Dawson, found a brick at uh, Pevensey uh, Fort in Sussex, which was purportedly made in in uh, Honoris's honor. In 1910, uh, Professor E.J. Uh, Haverfield of Oxford University, uh, who was then the country's foremost expert on Roman history and a fellow of the Royal Academy, uh, declared that the ingot to be fake. Um, a report for the Proceeding of the Society of Antiquities um, in, in the same year reported that the double-axe type of silver ingot was well-known and dated from late imperial times, but the one recovered from Sussex was an inferior copy of one found at the Tower of London, with alterations to give it an air of authenticity. Both the shape and lettering betrayed its origin. Um, so while he is doing this, it seems likely that... Um, it, it doesn't seem like he faked them, but it seems likely that you know he was you know conned into possibly buying them. Uh, from people who knew they were fakes. Okay, so he's a sucker. Uh, that's, his villain, that's his villain origin story when he becomes a skeptic, huh? Um, well, it's not really that it, his origin to becoming a skeptic, but I guess it just kind of shows like some of his things later on in life where he, he will be actually like, uh, like convinced by some people that were scammers. Mm, that's unfortunate. So he's just, he's simple. He's what my grandmother would call simple. <laughs> 
Yeah, um, when he was born, they told him gullible wasn't in the dictionary, and he looked it up. <laughs> no, I thought they told him gullible was written on the ceiling. That that's so much faster. I like people like go look for a dictionary, you know, to like look it up. Although now everyone has a Samsung Galaxy in their pocket that they can use to look <laughs> no, up gullible. Now everybody has an iPhone. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to look at the ceiling. I just turn on the front-facing camera and point it to the ceiling. <laughs> I tell you, you know what's not in the pocket, Raph? The definition of gullible, you know? <clears throat> I'm going to tell you right now, turning on the front-facing camera when you're not expecting it is just a whole new level of horror. <laughs> I know you look like a you look like a fucking uh, like a meth like uh, lineup photo. You know, there, there's always a split second where I'm like a Fuck, meth this is what mug I look shot. Like on a regular day to day basis, shit. This is Holy what people, shit! This is what it looked like yesterday. I looked so much better before all that meth and sleep. <laughs> <laughs> now I look terrible. All right, so he's uh, a sucker. In his uh, autobiography, he wrote that the the great Sequa. Um, uh, in uh, in Shrewsbury, though, was quote unquote entirely responsible for shaping much of my life's work, um, and led him to acquire the first volume of what he uh, what would become the Harry Price Library. Uh, he later became an expert amateur conjurer, uh, joined the magic circle in 1922, ah, cool. and maintained a lifelong interest in stage magic and conjuring. Nice. The uh, the great Sequa was a um, was a, a Englishman who was a resident of um, Shrewsbury. Who was um who, who essentially was what what they referred to as a pretendian? A pretend. I'm sorry, what? A, a person who like a white person who claims to be Native American. Wow, um, I love that phrase, and I'm gonna <laughs> burn it into my memory and use it I forever. Am, I am 100 percent using. That I definitely know a handful of pretendians, which, by the way. Which there were there were a number of them too, like notable ones. Like there was a guy in Canada. I forget what his name is, but he was a writer. Around this time period, and then people found out he wasn't actually like First Nations. <laughs> it was like this. Oh, Can I thought you were not. to not necessarily Native Americans, but like the Rachel Dolzeal or whatever the fuck her name is. What about She's Nikki Haley? Does she qualify? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Is she a pretendian or is she <laughs> like anybody's a pretendian? Is Nikki Haley? <laughs> yeah, you know. No, I think she might be a little sick though. Oh, <laughs> I see what you did there. Um. So a woman who says there's no racism in America, but literally can't use her actual name in America because she would never make it in any office where she panders her fucking hateful politics. Next. Yeah. I didn't even know she was um, Indian until like. Yeah, I didn't know. For a bit after. I found out about it, I think, in 2016, but it was just one of those things because she talked about like. Something about like her father came up and how he's like Sikh. And I was going to say, like, it came out a long time ago, but nobody really kind of... I just knew she was it. something else. I didn't know... I, I knew she wasn't, like, uh, quote-unquote white. But I didn't know that. But I just think the hypocrisy is just... It's just unbelievable. I mean, it's it's also kind of hilarious. <laughs> it, uh, it, it is. And until you realize, because like, 48% of people in certain states voted for... it. Well, no. 48% of the people who come out for those bullshit primaries voted... Um, but uh, Sequa, he would perform uh, what he called medicine shows, mm-hmm. where he would um, he would hawk like um, just fake concoctions, and he would do like um, pretty much like untrained like medicine on people on stage, like pulling people's teeth and stuff, That's claiming to use like Native great. American ways. That's pretty awful. 
<laughs> He's selling bottles of porcupine butthole out the back of his wagon. This isn't just circus. any porcupine butthole, all right? I got this in Shropshire, I did. Okay? It'll cure all that ails ye. I got some um, figs from the messes, put them on a she-mound, and waited. But uh, the thing with Price, though, and I think one of the things that, that sort of makes it, sets him up, for having the query that he does is that because he's so interested in, in sleight of hand and, and magic tricks and, and he's like interested in Let's learning them and learning how they work. Tell me something. The man right here who keeps practicing a color change while you guys are talking. <laughs> but that, so that when he sees these like fake, like mediums and stuff, trying to like scam people and like doing like these fake seances with like ghosts showing up and like other things, like he's very, like he's very astute and able to pick out like, well, that's obviously fake. And like, I can see, Oh. The, the trick there. So he's like an early James Randy. Well, well, he is, but in the sense that he actually wants to believe, unlike James Randy, but but because he knows he knows too much. I call of, of the trade. That. James Randy definitely wanted to believe. I think he did. Well, I mean, I mean, not in the sense that James Randy would publicly admit that he believes in like ghosts or that he believes like right, this right, guy's right. actually real. Right, right. I got you. Who, um, who's James Randy? Side note, sidebar. James Randi is a uh, stage magician who um, basically had like a million dollars. He had the James Randi Foundation, which was uh, basically offering a million dollars to anyone who could prove they had paranormal abilities um, since like the 1970s. He only died like a few years ago. Um, was this also he's for the like, guy that disproved that somebody that telekinesis or whatever? Yeah, he's the guy that that uh, basically disproved the the what's called Yuri Geller bending spoons thing, and they were constantly suing each other back and forth. And uh, I think it's it's really great now with Yuri Geller because Yuri Geller posts all these things about like aliens, and it, it's like a lot of like the alien looked at me and it and I yeah. looked at him, and then he looked <laughs> at me, and there were babies. The alien, I had feel a like, baby? but like you could solve the spoon thing really easily by bringing Yuri Geller into a court of law and putting a spoon in front of him, be like, all right, bend it. Well, this is what James Randi did. That's essentially what they did, yeah. Yeah, James Randi basically would set up conditions, and the magician or the person who had paranormal abilities would say, you know, I'll I'll do it. And if they would do it, then they'd test them under those conditions, and nobody ever passed the test. And the joke is that someone did pass the test, but he never told anybody. So what what does Yuri Geller have? A leg to stand on. To Nothing. He he basically just character assassination, libel, and stuff. Okay. He you know? he likes frivolous lawsuits. For instance, he sued. Yeah, he's um, he sued. Shit. He sued the Pokemon company um, because what? of the Pokemon uh, Kadavra. Yeah, Kadavra. Yeah. Yeah, because he said that was his like catchphrase, and they were trying to profit off of him. Unbelievably the, dumb lawsuit. But but eventually they can use it again because he dropped the. They can like use it on Pokemon cards and other uh, Pokemon merchandise yeah, because right. he 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 essentially rescinded it because his children told him that he was being an asshole. <laughs> yeah, so if you want to know more about James Randi, there's a, a documentary called "An Honest Liar," and it basically goes over his whole life. It's really good. So the only modicum of credit that I'll give Yuri Geller is that if you build your entire career on something, and somebody goes in and kind of like destroys that i feel like you have grounds for a lawsuit being that that is your um not if you're a fraud no but i mean like if 
I, I don't know how to say it. like you you've There's built a your reason that uh, you know what I mean like he's a character he's built this character around this and someone goes in there and just kind of destroys it and you know you you've destroyed his ability to make money because you've effectively destroyed the character. So are you saying that Elizabeth Holmes can sue? <laughs> God no, <for> her. <laughs> well, that's my point is that you know she made all her money off bullshit and she's in jail because of bullshit you know. So yeah, but she hurt people. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean that's a good point. But at the same time, you know, you you're yellow just sitting there like, oh, watch me bend cutlery. Like, <laughs> yeah. And then another guy comes out and shows that he's not, uh, he doesn't have any mystical powers. And that's the end of it. He doesn't actually reveal the trick, by the way. Randy doesn't show how you do it, at least not that I'm aware of, because he wasn't that type of magician. I think he was more like the old school where he wouldn't reveal the secrets. But, mm-hmm. um, well, he wouldn't wearing the mask. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many that do it now. Like, there's just so much out there that just gets given away because it's a way to make money. That's the only reason. Um, uh, Price, along with another, uh, what's referred to as psychical uh, researcher, um, during this time period, they republished an anonymous work that was written by a former medium entitled "Revelations of a Spirit Medium," which exposed a lot of the like the tricks and scams that uh, mediums would use, um, including you know producing what were called "quote unquote" spirit hands. Oh, the knocking um, and all that shit. Yeah, yeah and, and originally, um, all the copies of this book, they had to republish it, and they chose to uh, republish it because originally all the copies of the book were bought up by spiritualists and, like, deliberately destroyed. What? Oh, that's not sus. It was called Revelations, Revelations. of a Spirit Medium. Oh, okay. Uh, Price would join the Society of Psychical Research, uh, known as SPR, um, in 1920. Um and because of his knowledge in, in conjuring, had debunked fraudulent mediums. Um, but in a, but in a direct contrast to other uh, magicians, he endorsed some mediums that he believed that were genuine. His uh, first major success in um, in in psychical research came in 1922 when he exposed the spirit photographer William Hope. Um, William Hope was one of those guys who would like. Um, take pictures that would have like ghosts in them. Look at the orbs; they're everywhere. <laughs> um, but uh, Price—that's uh, not Price dust eventually... at all. It's not. Well, no, these were like actual like people ghosts. Yeah, but they're still like ghost ghosts. And and then like he would, um, but essentially what he was doing was just applying other negatives on top of the other ones. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so he was, um, and he figured that out by by giving him plates that were marked. Um, so you could tell, like that the that he had been using multiple. Wow! Plates. So he really was very similar to Randy because that's kind of what Randy would do. Um, in that same year, he traveled to Germany together with uh, researcher Eric uh, Dingwall and investigated uh, Willie Schneider at the home of Baron Albert von uh, Schrenk Nutzig in um, Munich. Um, in 1923, he exposed the medium uh, Jan uh, Guzik. Uh, according to Price, the quote-unquote, the man was clever, especially with his feet, which were almost as useful to him as hands in producing phenomena. Don't tell Quentin Tarantino that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he uh, he wrote that the uh, the photographs depicting, um, depicting the ectoplasm of the medium uh, Eva uh, Carrier, um, take, taken with uh, Schrenk uh, Nozick, uh, looked artificial and two-dimensional, as if uh, made from cardboard and newspaper portraits, and that there was no scientific uh, 
uh, controls as both her hands were free. Jeez. Um, she was also investigated by a psychical researchers of London. Analysis of her exoplasm was revealed to be made of chewed paper. Um, she was also investigated in 1922, and as a result of the tests, uh, were negative. In 1925, he investigated uh, Maria Silbert and caught her using her feet and toes to move objects in the seance room. Um, yeah, he also, see now, you got to think too. Like this is a time period where a lot of people are still under the like insane assertion, but more people than now are still under the assertion that there's a possibility that there's actual magic out there. I mean, we, we, it's we still have to a thing th- today, but not. There's way more sanity today, I believe. Well, I think a lot of it. Uh, I, I think a lot of it too. That <laughs> what I mean, like a, Ryan is, is sorry, Steve. What I mean, Ryan, <laughs> is that. When some guy does card tricks or, like, makes stuff disappear in his hands on fucking Penn and Teller, right, like full Penn and Teller, that they mm-hmm. don't actually think there's magic going on there. Whereas, mm-hmm. whereas back then, most people see that and they go, yeah, maybe there's some trick, but I think there's way more people back then who are like, I don't know how he does it. He must be magic, you know, some fucking <laughs> dumb shit. I, I think a lot of it... Well, I think a lot of it too is that it. You have to remember this is right after World War One, and especially in the UK, like someone close to you, like you've at least like had someone very close to you die in the war. Like you, you have somebody that was in your life, like either a son, a father, a brother. Jeez, way to be a downer. A, and wow, that they, they're at, at least one of them is is gone. Fucking lost so, generation. All right. So people, <laughs> so people have like this obsession with it too, which is kind of like. Um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, like yeah, that's sort of like why he goes deep into it at the time. <laughs> um, he, but he investigated the uh, the direct voice mediumship of uh, George Valentine in London. Um, in the séance, Valentine claimed that the uh, that he contacted the spirit of the composer uh, Luigi Ardetti, speaking in Italian. Uh, Price wrote down every word that was attributed to Ardetti. And he found them to be word for word matches in an Italian phrase book. <laughs> Sono affumato. <laughs> Our daddy is hungry. Um, Price would form an organization in 1925 called the National Laboratory of Psychical Research as a rival to the Society for Psychical Research. Um, he had a number of disputes with the SPR, most notably over the mediumship of uh, Rudy Schneider. Um, he also Price also paid mediums to uh, test them, um, and the SBR criticized him and disagreed about paying mediums for testing. Um, Price made a formal offer to the University of London to equip and endow a department of psychical research and to loan the equipment of the National Laboratory and its library. Uh, the University of London Board of Studies in Psychology responded posit- uh, positively to this. A proposal, and in 1934, the National Laboratory of Psychical Research, which held Price's collection, was reconstituted at the University of London Council for Psychical Investigation with CEM uh, Jode as chairman and with Price as honorary secretary and editor, although he was not an official body of the university. Okay, so does this mean that the University of London is endorsing classes on ghosts and like paranormal research? Well, I think it's more like the beginning of Ghostbusters. I <laughs> I I can't take him seriously, man. Is the uni- University of London is not like 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 Kaiser over here, is it? <laughs> like, 
it's not like ITT tech, is it? I, I mean, I don't have a problem with. No, I don't think so. I don't have a problem with people researching that stuff as long as they do it from a scientific standpoint. You know. Yeah, but I, I have a problem putting it in college curriculum yeah. because you know what I'm saying. It could like, just be like a, like a, an offshoot of like detective work or something. You know oh I mean? God! Or physics. Oh my God! Yeah, but detective work, like crime scene investigations and things like that, are like ob- object objective reality yeah. that you can that you can visually see. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's hypothetical detective work. You can, I feel like you can pass a class on theoretical ghost hunting without doing any work because it's all theoretical. Look, the reason I'm being so defensive is if I happen to have a master's degree in theoretical ghost hunting. <laughs> <laughs> and my theory Steve, is Steve double majored. Right, if you get the right, if you get the right Sony Walkman, all right, and the right Sanyo cassette, you're going to be good to go. You're going to find ghosts. <laughs> That's my theory. You got half a spirit box there, pal. Now nah, you got the whole thing if you get the <laughs> right model. You will on your way. In um and <clears throat> during that time period as well, in 1927, he joined the Ghost Club, um, which he remained a member of until it closed in, uh, temporarily in 1936. He was the only human in it. Everyone else was a spirit. <laughs> yeah, you know all the all the ghost friends from the Scooby Doo show were there and. <laughs> The Funky Phantom, you know. And... The Funky Phantom. I fucking hate Scooby-Doo, sorry. In 1927, Price claimed that he had come into possession of uh, Joanna Southcott's box and arranged Whoa. to have it open. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. You're a family show. <laughs> family friendly, please. Um, open in the presence of one uh, reluctant uh, prelate, uh, the Bishop of Grantham, not a... a a diocesan uh, bishop, but a but a suffragan diocese. of the diocese of Lincoln, or diocese of Lincoln. It was found to contain um, only a few oddments and unimportant papers, among them a lottery ticket and a horse pistol. Um, uh, sorry, so, what? A, a what? A, a, a <laughs> Is horse that a pistol. gun shaped like a horse, or a gun designed to take horses down? It's like a. I believe it's the type of pistol used at the start of a horse race. Oh, okay, like a starting gun. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, so Southcott was this sort of prophetess that that lived um, a little before this time period, and when um, in the 1800s, and when she died, she left a sealed uh, casket of prophecies, um, which is often referred to as Joanna Southcott's box, with instructions to open it only at a time of national crisis and in the presence of all all 24 current bishops of the Church of England. Who were to spend a fixed period beforehand studying her prophecies? Um, they had attempted to persuade her, um, or they attempted to persuade the uh, the episcopate um, to open it during the Crimean War and again during the First World War, but they did not. Okay. Any reason? Uh, just like because it's just bullshit. Okay. Right. Look, we got a real war going on here. We can't open this <laughs> box. Well, you know they're all they're all busy. They got their schedules. You know, you know how hard it is to get like five people together for something. Getting twenty four. Yeah, that's a <laughs> man. That's a lot of people. After high school, um, that's like a wedding. Yeah, after high school. <laughs> oh God, yeah. you got to fly at least half of men to Shropshire. Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh-uh. Um. So though, um, some uh, historians and followers of Southcott have claimed that the uh, that this wasn't the real box. Uh, Price exposed Frederick uh, Tansley Munnings, 
uh, who claimed to produce the independent spirit voices of Julius Caesar, uh, Dan Leno, Holly Harvey Crippen, and King Henry VIII. Julius Caesar's spirit voice. Ah! Oh! <laughs> Fuck. That's Fuck. a lot of knife. That's a lot Jesus. of stab wounds. <laughs> <laughs> Please name a salad after me. <laughs> Please name your salad after me. Oh, oh, I just wanted to be named after a salad. Um, but in but in order to expose him, uh, Price invented um, and used a apparatus um, known as a voice control recorder, and provided that and proved that all the voices were those of Munnings. All of them. Yeah, that that these these voices he was doing that he claimed were you know like these people. That they were yeah. actually all him. Um, nice. And in 1928, he would admit fraud and sold his confessions to a Sunday newspaper. That's a thing. Like, I don't know. Um, Price was, uh, as mentioned before, he was friends with um, other uh, debunkers of, of mediums and um, people attempting to profit from the paranormal. Yeah, such well, who as, the fuck um, wants to hang around with a guy who's constantly trying to prove you wrong, you know? Well, those people are the contrarians are really just pains in the asses. Yeah. Um, included uh, Harry Houdini and the journalist Ernest Palmer. Houdini didn't do magic. <laughs> he did escapes. Houdini was cool, man. Houdini was an asshole. Says the man. Everybody's. I have more magic <laughs> books. That's why I know he was an <sighs> asshole. <laughs> God damn it. It's the only reason I know. <laughs> Everyone's always saying, but get this kid. He was a real asshole. He was, um, if you like, he, he only tipped 10%. Yeah, like people talk about him all the time. He was kind of like an egomaniac, and uh, he had a lot of, uh, he was not as good at magic as, as he would make himself out to be. So there's a good story about when Divern and fooled him. Mm-hmm. Um, Divern is the greatest, probably the greatest card handler in modern time probably the greatest light of hand artist in top three at least maybe in all time and uh okay. houdini never figured out how he did the trick couldn't figure it out it's like you're the greatest slight you're oh so you're the, you're the great harry houdini but you don't know how to do it. and and di vernon was such i mean they call him the professor to give you an idea of how good he was and uh you know if he tells you that you're not that good at it then <laughs> He probably has. He probably knows. It's coming from a nice place. It's coming from like a dad place, you know. Yeah. Kids not that kids not cut out for baseball. All right, hon. <laughs> <laughs> See the way he swung that bat. He might have him out in the garden, maybe watering, but I don't think he's gonna make it. <laughs> he doesn't have doesn't have the markings of a varsity athlete. Yeah, he doesn't have the makings of a varsity athlete. <laughs> in nineteen thirty three. Uh, Price investigated Frank Decker at the National Laboratory of Psychical Research. Under strict scientific controls that Price contrived, Decker failed to produce any phenomena at all. That's, um, exa- he also, that's exactly what Randy did. Exactly the same thing. Uh, he continued his uh, research as well um, in looking into um, uh, looking into the uh, the Karachi's Indian rope trick. And the firewalking abilities of uh, Kuda Bucks in 1935. Would you just call me? You know. <laughs> <laughs> he was also involved in the formation of the National Film Library, which is the British Film Institute, 
and became its first chairman um, and held that seat until 1941. I thought you were going to say the founding- National Socialist Party, and I was going to be like, what the <laughs> fuck? It was a founding member of the Shakespeare Film Society. <laughs> you know, he just changed his name to Adolf Hitler. <laughs> Perfect. Um, in 1936, he broadcast from a supposedly haunted manor house in, um, in Meofen, uh, Kent, for the BBC, and published The Confessions of a Ghost Hunter and the Haunting of Cashin's Gap. What? I want to hear that. Probably won't understand references, though, you know, because it's so old. <laughs> Uh, he also saw the transfer of his. Uh, he, this is also around the time that he transfers his library to the University of London. And in 1937, he conducted uh, further televised experiments into fire walking with Ahmed Hussein at the uh, Carshalton and Alex um, and an Alexandra Place uh, Palace, and also rented Bor- uh, Borley Rectory for one year. Uh, Borley Rectory is generally considered to be like one of the most haunted sites in like England. Rectory, <laughs> damn near kilt. Wait, <laughs> uh, the following ah. year, <laughs> fo- the following year, he reestablished the Ghost Club with himself as chairman, um, where he modernized it and changed it from a spiritualist association to a group more or less of open minded skeptics that gathered uh, to discuss paranormal topics. He was also the first to allow women to join the club. Uh oh, uh oh, making it co ed. Very progressive. Um, he would also conduct experiments, for instance, as a man, uh, Raman Bay, who was "quote unquote" buried alive in uh, Carlshelton. I'm, I'm always, sorry, I'm what? always questionable about like uh, the men back then who like allow women into the club. Like they could be progressive, or they could just be fucking horny. You know. I, l- look, well, I don't know if it's a good thing that just being led by your dick makes you progressive. I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but no. it, it's almost like, hey, listen, at least you're being progressive. <laughs> he's not He's not Joss Whedon, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh. it's, it's almost like one of those things I look at it like, listen, I, you, you might be doing it for the wrong reasons, but you're doing it. It's kind of like what I'm getting at. Yeah. How far does that extend? You know what I'm saying? Oh, you'd have to ask um, him. He, uh, he drafted a bill for the regulation of psychic practitioners, um, and in 1939, he organized a national telepathic test in the periodical uh, John O. London's Weekly. I love that stuff. I mean, there there was that one with the Princeton. Remember the Princeton egg experiment? Yeah. I just love that when they were talking about trying to influence the egg on Coast to Coast AM. And just everyone who's listening, <laughs> just for 30 seconds. What is the seconds, Princeton egg experiment? Um, I can't explain it. Exactly, oh, but the God. the, oh, the very high level, like very general ex- explanation is they had this like random number generator thing, and um, they were it was like an enclosed system, and they were trying to I think I might be getting this confused, but they were trying to see if like in moments of like worldwide crisis or national consciousness was like aligned, if the numbers became less random, and there was some preliminary evidence that must have pointed in that direction. So it got really popular, but it was just bullshit. It's never been proved again. That the numbers coming out of a random number generator became, were not random? became less random during times well, of mass the, consciousness, thereby well, in, like uh, introducing some element of like mass consciousness control of the, the, the idea was that if you had enough people concentrated on a single thing with, with their like sort of psychic energy, be able to influence it, 
that if everybody in the world was thinking for the number generator, for instance, to generate the number seven, yes, would it generate the number seven? What I said. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just I'm just explaining it and. What? You don't think that's interesting? I think it's interesting. It gives me a headache to think that there's people that believe that that is even in the realm of possibility. I don't think they did. I mean, maybe some people did, but like it was it's 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 just fun to try it, like in my opinion. I just think that it's interesting. fun to try, but I'm talking about believing that it works. And then what if you found out it did? But you won't know until you test it, so it's something fun to test. It's more fun than Princeton fucking looking into more weapons, you fucker. <laughs> the fucking Institute for Advanced Study. I've walked by the building Wait, a few times. Didn't didn't Princeton also do the prison study with, with Phillips and Bardo? Wasn't that also Princeton? Uh, no, that was know. Stanford. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, Stanford prison experiment. Okay, never mind. I was going to say, Princeton's done more cool experiments. If, yeah, but no, it's Princeton's done some, some shit. <laughs> In the in the 1940s, he concentrated on writing uh, some of his books, such as The Most Haunted House in England, uh, Poltergeist Over England, and The End of Borley Rectory. <laughs> um, to go into detail about some of the people he investigated, uh, uh, first one, uh, his big notable one was William Hope. Um, on, February f- on February 4th, 1922, uh, Price with James Seymour, Eric Dingwall, and William Marriott uh, had proven the spirit photographer was a fraud during tests of the British College of Psychic Science. William um, Marriott of Marriott Hotel fame? Y- yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, the same. Now, is the uh, is the Continental Breakfast included in the oh. hunting? <laughs> it was, it was his, it was his demand on his deathbed, like the, uh, the Costco complaints. hot dog. I have some complaints about how stale these fucking bagels are at the Continental Breakfast, please. Who do I need to speak to? Well, these are pizza bagels. These are not <laughs> breakfast bagels. Okay. I swear, listen, I swear to God, look, side note, uh, Continental <laughs> Breakfast, please get your shit together, okay? I'm paying $600 a night for a hotel. I feel like <laughs> my butter shouldn't fucking Marriott the fucking bagel. you at? The Burj Khalifa Marriott? What the fuck? $600? You're not paying that. I have no idea. You're in the penthouse? When I went to Chicago, I said the, uh, the presidential suite. <laughs> yeah, you have the presidential suite of Marriott. $600 a night. They better fucking come in, fluff me, and provide me with a prostitute. Fuck. <laughs> no, I was just throwing numbers out. I have no fucking idea what they cost. <laughs> I'm, I'm just fucking with the odds. It's fine. I stay It'd be worse if it was like the $600 room at the La Quinta, which is basically just the management <laughs> position. Like you own the hotel at that point for a night. You get your you get your own that flip waffle maker. You get one of those in your room. I like the La Quinta, but I I asked one time. I was still smoking when I stayed in one, and I I, uh, I asked one time to stay oh. in the smoking area because they had a smoking floor. It was like higher up. Jesus, that's disgusting. You walk down the hallway, dude, and it smelled like the worst ashtray factory ever. You know, it was just oh, the worst disgusting. fucking smell. The whole hallway smelled of it. Then you went in your room, and it was just that. I don't know that fucking amber glass haze, you know, like a, I can't a late night bowling alley. 
or most of this country's history, you could smoke indoors in places, and in more specifically, restaurants. You could smoke in airplanes originally. I mean, it fucking didn't make any sense I, at all. I can't believe that I can remember that too. Like, I'm old enough that I can remember when you, you could, could smoke in dude, restaurants. You could smoke in airplanes, and you're trying to tell me that that more people now believe in real magic. Come on, <laughs> get on my level. <laughs> that's <laughs> <laughs> ah, fine just let them smoke on the plane it'll be alright <laughs> they can't even handle things that they could see that was like in the, uh, the those like news videos from the 80s when they banned uh, they banned uh, open containers in, in cars oh yeah that, that like woman it's pretty soon they're gonna they're not gonna be able to do anything when you drive you know <laughs> yeah this is ridiculous man, He's like, man I get works the whole damn day should be having to go home and drive and have a beer you know, while he's driving, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. That, that, is, that. that is that is word for word what the man says too. It's ridiculous. I swore it was like um, that fucking fake like uh, news show, um, uh, something I forget what it's called, but um, but it wasn't. It's not a fake fucking clip at all. It's a real news story. Like people were fucking stupid. That's why I knew the um, vaccine was never going to work, by the way. It's one of the first things I posted on Facebook back then. I, I, I know I wasn't the first person to think about it, but I'm not trying to be that guy. But, you know, the seatbelt analogy, it's just hilarious. I think my favorite thing is this. there's now a device you can use to clip into your seatbelt. Like, we'll just call it the female part of the seatbelt, so that it makes your car, like, alarm stop dinging to, like, clip. Yeah, they have seatbelt seat clips. On. They were, they were like, popular in what? China. I'm like, Doug, why don't you just put the fucking belt on at that point? It is so... I mean, you work in an ER. It's so fucking safe to wear it. It's so much safer. It's also not that much of a big deal. Just put it on. Well, maybe, like, for women, right? And I swear to God, I saw one of those seatbelt clips. had a fucking bottle opener on it. I was like, Jesus Christ. You're just just encouraging bad behavior now. For the drunk driver Um, who's constantly on the go... But uh, Price wrote in his SPR report about William Hope. William Hope has been found guilty of deliberately substituting his own plates for those of a sitter. It implies that the medium brings to the uh, brings to the sitting a duplicate slide and faked plates for fraudulent purposes. Uh, Price secretly marked Hope's photographic plates and provided him with a packet of additional plates that have been covertly etched with the brand image of the Imperial Dry Plate Company Limited in the knowledge that the logo would be transferred to any images created with them. Nice. Um, unaware that uh, that uh, unaware that Price had tampered with his supplies, Hope then attempted to produce a number of spirit photographs. Um, although Hope produced several images of alleged spirits, none of his materials contained the Imperial Dry Plate Company Limited logo or the marks that Price had put on Hope's original equipment, showing that he had exchanged prepared materials containing fake uh, spirit images for the provided materials. Um, so. Uh, Price later republished the Society's experiment in a pamphlet of his own called Cold Light on a Spiritualist Phenomenon, an experiment with the Crew Circle. Sounds like a um, love song. Due to the exposure, yeah. <laughs> due to the exposure of hope and other fraudulent spiritualists, uh, Arthur Conan Doyle led a mass resignation of 84 members um, of the Society uh, for Psychical Research as they believed the Society was opposed to spiritualism. Well, I think that was because they took away Heroin Tuesdays and... Uh he was really hoping that would stay on the ballot. Um, Doyle claim, uh, Doyle threatened to have Price evicted from his laboratory and claimed if he persisted to write 
uh, quote-unquote sewage about spiritualists, he would meet the same fate as Houdini. Damn. My, um, my boy fucking was not fucking around. Um, Doyle and other spiritualists attacked Price and tried for years to have Price take his pamphlet out of circulation. Uh, Price wrote, Arthur Conan Doyle and his friends abused me for years for exposing hope. Hmm. Wait. Exposing hope? The William Hope, the, the photographer. Oh, okay. Jesus. I was like taking it metaphorically. I'm like, what the fuck is he, what the fuck is he talking about? Um, on October 7th, 1930. So hope, wait, wait, wait. So it was Hope like a, like a well-known figure? Yeah, he was no like he was nationally notable for making these like ghost photographs. Okay, okay, okay. There, there was there was a similar guy in the U.S. who did who did a similar thing with like he claimed to have gotten like Lincoln's ghost and stuff like that. Right, 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 right. Um, on October seventh, nineteen thirty, um, it was claimed by spiritualists that Eileen J. Garrett made contact with the spirit of Herbert Carmichael Irwin at a séance held with Price at the National Laboratory of Psychical Research two days after the R-101 disaster while attempting to contact the then-recently-deceased uh, Arthur uh, Conan Doyle and discuss possible causes of the accident. Um, the R-101 uh, crash was a um, was a, a airship uh, crash. I've, I've heard of that. I, I don't know the actual like details of it, but I, I've heard of this. What, the R101? Yes. I've never heard of that. What is it? What, is it? what was it? Like a dirigible? Yeah, it was a dirigible, a blimp that, that like crashed and killed a bunch of people. Blimpy, blimpy, blimpy. It wasn't as you know. It, it didn't crash as mid, I don't know. As, it, it wasn't. It wasn't as dramatic as the Hindenburg. Dramatic. That's the word I'm looking for. I was gonna about to be like, it wasn't the Michael Bay like that the Hindenburg was the Jerry Bruckheimer production, but it, yeah, it crashed. It killed people, but I don't know any details about it. I never really looked into it. Um, the event uh, would attract national attention um, thanks to a reporter being present. Uh, a major Oliver uh, Villiers, a friend of uh, Branker, Scott Irwin, uh, Colmore, and the others aboard the airship, participated in further seance with Garrett, at which he claimed to have uh, contacted both Irwin and other victims. Uh, Price did not come to any uh, definite conclusion about Garrett and the seances. Um, he would say on it, It is not my intention to discuss if the medium were really controlled by the discarnate entity of Irwin or whether the utterances emanated from her subconscious uh, mind or those of the sitters. Spirit or transpersonality would be equally interesting explanations and equally remarkable. There is no real evidence for either hypothesis, but it is not my intention to discuss hypotheses, but rather to put on record the detailed account of a remarkably interesting and thought-provoking experiment. Listen to this wishy-washy motherfucker. Come on, man. Make 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 take a side. Uh, right. Yeah, shit or Either get off the bullshit. Pot. <laughs> Either call bullshit or let it slide. Don't don't sit here and just be like, oh, it's just my job and all the all the fact. No, bro. Come on, man. Don't just sit here and say that's just my baby dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, Garrett's claims have since been questioned. Uh, the magician John Booth analyzed... I don't analyzed even know what that th- joke meant, by the way. I have no idea <laughs> wh- what I was going for there. <laughs> uh, the magician John Booth analyzed the mediumship of Garrett 
and the paranormal claims of the R101 and considered her to be a fraud. According to both uh, uh, to Booth uh, Garrett's notes um, and writings show she followed the building of the R101 and she may have uh, been given aircraft blueprints by a technician from the air dome or airdrome. Uh, however, the researcher Melvin Harris, who studied the case, wrote no secret accomplice was needed as information described in Garrett's seances were uh, either commonplace, easily absorbed bits and pieces, or plain gobbledygook. Gobbledygook. Uh, the, I love that word. The so-called uh, secret information just doesn't exist. Um, in, in the 1920s and early 30s, Price investigated the medium Rudy Schneider in a number of experiments conducted at the National Laboratory of Psychical Research. Uh, Schneider claimed he could levitate objects, but according to Price, a photograph taken on April 28, 1932, showed that Schneider had managed to free his arm to move a handkerchief from the table. Um, After this, many scientists considered Schneider to be exposed as a fraud. Uh, Price wrote that the findings uh, of the other experiments should be revised due to the evidence showing how Schneider could free, uh, free himself from the controls. So wait, wait. So like, what do they do? Like tie his ass down and then be like, all right, make something levitate. Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Why couldn't they just put the object just far away from him? Well, you know, because the the psychic psychic power, you know, needs to be closer. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. There's a distance limitation, bro. Three feet away. There's a a distance limitation, just like most things. You know? It's like shitty Bluetooth. <laughs> it was yeah. out of range of his, his, his spell. It's only a cantrip. It's, uh, it doesn't have that far of a range. I didn't know this, and uh, I should know it because I work in tech, but uh, Bluetooth in a crowded arena is fucking useless. <laughs> it is, like, utterly useless. It was killing the everyone's card readers because they, they use Bluetooth card readers for Square. Uh-huh. When there's so many Bluetooth devices in one area, it they compete, and it's just it's really hard to get a signal to pass. So like if like what would happen like normally in my house, right? I could listen to something on my Bluetooth earpieces, and I could just walk in the other room, so I could be like the maximal distance away from my device. Yeah. But at the convention, if I put my phone in my pocket, I couldn't hear anything. It would just lose connection. Good lord, really? Yeah, and then when I got into the bathroom where there were less people, it just came right back. So I was listening to Big Pun on the toilet, but... (laughs) (laughs) Long story short, my shitting choice of music is immaculate. Hip-hop, yeah, absolutely, dude. (laughs) Fuck yeah. Dude, I I love listening to hip-hop when I'm at conventions, because my brother and I have this fucking hilarious joke where you put on, like, the most thugged out type A hip hop and you just like watch white people walk. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> While you're listening to music, like look at him walk. Like it's just so I just, I just, oh, I just walk in like just doing that Vince McMahon. Walk. Yeah, I don't know if you're like, racist here. It's not just white people. It's just like watch anyone walk to it. Just normal people walking around to this hip hop. It's just like they don't hey. look, that guy doesn't look very badass, does he? <laughs> Speaking of Vince McMahon, just because nah, dude, listen, Harry Price no. never shit on anyone's chest. Re- I mean, well, real quick, face. Um, Sorry, face. M- maybe y'all will be able to explain this to me better because you're like I, I I understand a little bit of wrestling history and I'm a little bit of a wrestling buff, but like I, I haven't followed it for a very long time. But how the fuck does he keep getting away with shit and still Money. exists as Money. the owner president of this fucking company? Money. Money. I That's don't think it. you understand how much money he has, dude. 
I probably don't because I feel like that he he should have been ended many times over. Yeah, I mean, I'm I don't but know I what it is. I also said this about Donald Trump when he made fun of the he's dude a billionaire, who was, like fucking handicapped and everything else. Just remember, like, I thought that was the end of him. Just like, remember, he's a billionaire, right? So I always tell people the the seconds thing for a billion million, like a million seconds is twelve days, and a billion seconds is thirty one years. <sighs> a trillion seconds is thirty one thousand years. So just to give you an idea of how much different a billion is from a million, this man could literally just spend his way out of fucking anything and has successfully for the better part of an entire lifetime, you know? So Yeah, he thought he was going to go to jail in the 90s, and there was plans that uh, that Jerry Jarrett, uh, Jeff Jarrett's father, was going <clears> to <throat> take over the WWF. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. That's crazy. But that was like the contingency plan that if he went away... Dude, but the stuff that was in that report is abhorrent. Like, I don't even want to talk about it. It's just... No, it's disgusting. And that's why I'm like, how does he keep getting away with it? It's cash, man. Yeah. Um, Unlike so Trump, who's, who, who doesn't give anyone the cash. He's like, I'll, I'll give you $10 million, yeah, and it just doesn't just pay. pay. Just pay. Just uh, pay. No, never mind. Well, that's, that's apparently how he did all of his business. That's what he was known for. How do people keep like? How is he? How is he able to hire people when every? If I'm he, a plumber and I know he, only, he doesn't pay his bills, why the fuck would I go do work? It's, any it's, work at Trump Tower? It's well, one he doesn't like. He doesn't build anything anymore <laughs> because uh, he just licenses out his name. Because uh, by the end of when he was actually like building things, like the only people that would work for him were people who were like mobbed up. No, but I mean, what I'm saying is like I would never work for this dude. Right? Like if he did like a everybody. simple background check. It would be yeah. like, no, why would I ever do this, right? What's 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 also the thing too that when he ran for president, people were like, like, oh, he's a businessman. I'm like, well, oh, God, he, he runs he runs this thing, nuts. and I used to be like, well, no, actually, he does this, and he just licenses out his name, and he doesn't actually run all these things, and then they're like, oh, yeah, he no, 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 they were not. You fucking you liar. They did a, not say you did not oh. Change a, change a single mind. They did not say <laughs> oh. They did not do that. The vast majority of those people fucking did not. No, I'm saying that. the one specific person I talked to about. Oh, uh, okay, that's like, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. I was gonna say most people. Most people shut up, you pussy. No, most people are like, well, <laughs> yeah. he had to be a pretty good businessman. He's been in business for all these years. You're a fucking myopic idiot. Like, how could you possibly think that when the evidence is just there that it's not true? Like, you're you're, they, you're they literally just trying all the- to you're fucking trying to tell me a stop sign's blue. I mean, that's basically they, what you're doing. You know, they <laughs> forgot all the times he was on. Uh, he was on Howard Stern talking about like all the affairs he was having and like all, all yeah, the women. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a rich dude, right? He has no morality, but f- but forget that for a moment. Just just the fact that we know for a absolute fact that he's a fucking disaster of a businessman. <laughs> yeah, should, should but just they, take but, away any fucking shit because morality is obviously not even in the fucking room anymore with politics, you know. But just the idea that people would walk around thinking, well, at least he's a good businessman. Fucking idiots! My God, fucking idiots! Um, so after exposing, uh, Schneider, uh, various, uh, scientists such as, uh, Carl, uh, Prisbram, um, and the magician Henry Evans wrote to Price telling him that they agreed that Schneider, uh, would evade control during his seances and congratulated Price on, on a success on masking the fraud. Um, in opposition though, SPR members who are highly critical of Price supported Schneider's mediumship and promoted a conspiracy theory that Price had hoaxed the photograph. Uh, SPR member Anita Gregory 
claimed Price had deliberately faked the photograph to discredit uh, SPR uh, research and ruin Schneider's reputation. However, a photographic expert testified that the photograph was genuine, and SPR member John L. Randall reviewed the Price and Schneider case and came to the conclusion that the photograph was genuine and that Price had caught Schneider in fraud. So, I mean, okay, he was a fraud, obviously. Yeah, but like people, like people in the organization still want to believe. I mean, so, again, so so, there, so do I, you know. Yeah, but like, but, what, like, like, like is it sunk? It's not sunk cost. You know what I'm it. saying? Like, why would you want to stick around and like it, know it's not no, true? No, you know, it kind of is sunk cost because well, because people have devoted a, a certain amount of cognitive energy to accepting that thing, and so what, it becomes a belief thing. And well, yeah, it is hard a, to outrun. And it is a belief thing. It's also like sort of like the book, like when prophecy fails. Yeah, it essentially found that when that that prophecies prophecies don't fail, like people fail fail themselves to the prophecy. Um, so well, yes, be- I mean, it's not some cost in that they don't spend. They haven't spent money on it. They but they've spent devoted. they've spent time and energy, time and and belief. Like they they want to believe so much. Like you know, it would be like if you like. I don't know to give give an example from like mainstream Christianity when someone's talking about how like a stain on the wall looks like the Virgin Mary, and you oh and you God. prove and you prove that it wasn't. It was just like this is how it was formed or whatever. They just tell you like, oh, you're just you you just don't want to believe. You're just a yeah. They go, just, they you just go want to destroy hominem. Christianity. Yeah, they go yeah. they go ad hominem immediately because you're attacking. You're basically attacking part of their identity, and you're also it insulting is, that's just their mental illness. You're also insulting, it's, 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 mental illness you're also insulting their intelligence, which is another thing. So, like, they they take it as a uh, a defensive posture, you know. It, and I don't think it was just so much that they really were invested in Schneider. I think it was also that they were really invested in the field of mediumship. So, anytime anybody like attacked the or what they perceived as an attack on the the field that they believed deeply in, that they took that as something that they needed to like stop. Right. I uh, okay. Um, in 1931, the National Laboratory of Psycho you've Research. You've never done that, dude. Like you've never believed something and then and gotten into an argument about it and then later found out you're just not right. Yeah, I mean, plenty of times. I mean, it, ha- all, it happens. All the it happens to me a couple what times a year. I say, all right. I, 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 What happens is I, I say, all right. Well, now I know. I know better. I've learned, and I can go forward knowing that my, you know mind has been changed for the better i think that's great and um and i think that that's that's very admirable quality to have you know but i think your average person doesn't have it (sighs) it's so easy to do it though it's so easy to be like all right cool like i i was wrong before now i know better cool yeah but i mean come on like i don't know that's kind of a cop out it's easy to fucking do anything that you're natural at like if you have a natural inclination to it because um, I'm always wrong, so I have a natural inclination to change my mind. You're not always wrong. <laughs> anyway, this isn't a therapy session for Ryan, but but no, you know what I mean. Like it's you're mo- a lot of people. I just really think that again, the 2020 election proved proved the point that a lot of people out there lack critical thinking skills when it, it is either in their financial interest or their identity interest to not have them. You know, it's like the Upton Upton Sinclair. Um, quote Steve probably knows it better than I do, but it's like you can you can't convince something of, uh, you can't convince a man of something that it's uh, in his financial interest not to be convinced of. Updog Sinclair. Yeah, Updog Sinclair. 
But like it's the also same with died of up dog. It's the same with belief and and identity politics. It's a huge problem because you cannot have any kind of nuanced conversation. And it's on both yeah. sides, by the way. Never fucking and forget that's that really shit. Gross it's too. on both sides. Yeah. yeah. But but the problem is is that one side is definitely morally correct. <laughs> you know, regardless of how fucking puritanical both sides can get. Um, in 1931, the National Laboratory of Psychical Research took on um, its one of its most notable cases. Uh, 50 pounds was paid to the medium Helen Duncan so that she could be examined under scientific conditions. 50 pounds of what? You know what I mean. 50 <laughs> quid, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> What's heavier, though? 50 pounds of steel or 50 pounds of feather? <laughs> 1931. That's a lot of money. Um, price was skeptical. Yeah, how much, uh, price how much was, is that in today's money? Steve, it's got, probably around, you probably around five. I should have did these calculations before you got here. I mean, you know we're going to ask you about this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 he paid uh, six sheep in 1931. What is that in uh, 2024's uh, exchange rate He paid sheep. seven shearings. <laughs> <laughs> he, paid, so, he paid Ed Shearing. <laughs> He's doing the calculations right now. <laughs> Carry the one. <laughs> Fuck, I shouldn't have skipped long division. <laughs> you gotta do it's this. around. Go ahead, go ahead. It's the equivalent of uh, $4,268. Oh. Oh, or 400, Jesus Christ. No, 4,268 pounds. Oh. That's, um, That's a lot of dollar okay. dues, Tobias. They okay, so they paid this chick four thousand dollars to let them examine her. I mean, it is nineteen thirty-one, so I don't trust what they're gonna do. But like, okay. Um. So, uh, Price was skeptical of her, um, and um, and had her perform a number of test seances. Um, she was suspected of swallowing a cheesecloth, uh, which was then regurgitated as uh, ectoplasm. Uh, Price okay, would. All right, first and foremost, let me, let me stop you. Who is this woman? Like, what 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 was her claim to fame, right? I think like she's the, the horniest the, woman in Shropshire. I think that's what it was. Like, what did she do? Well, she's doing exactly what I described, is that she's, she's leading seances. She's just saying that she can talk to the dead and she can manifest ectoplasm, which is like ghost material. Oh, I thought that was high C. Oh, no, that's actually cooler. <laughs> that's actually cooler. <laughs> yeah, buddy. The best flavor. What flavor she do you want? She came out looking like... Green. <laughs> she ecto-cooler. She came out looking like Bill Murray in that scene in uh, Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> it's a river of slime. <laughs> uh, Price had proven uh, through analysis of, of a sample of ectoplasm that she had produced that it was made of cheesecloth. Um, Duncan would react violently at attempts to x-ray her, uh, running from the laboratory and making a scene in the street where her husband had to restrain her, destroying the controlled nature of the test. Uh, Price wrote that Duncan had given her uh, fake ectoplasm uh, to her husband to hide, um, and the ectoplasm of Duncan in another test was analyzed by psychical researchers and reported to be made from egg white. Um, uh, According to Price, the sight of a half dozen men, each with a pair of scissors, waiting for the word, was amusing. It came and we all jumped. One of the doctors got hold of the stuff and secured a piece. The medium screamed and the rest of the teleplasm went down her throat. This time, it wasn't cheesecloth. 
it proved to be paper soaked in white of egg and folded into a flattened tube. Uh, could anything be more infantile than a group of grown men wasting time, money, and energy on the antics of a fat female crook? Oh, <laughs> man. No. All right, you could sue him for that. That's fucked up. <laughs> you know, kill me if, if you call Yuri Geller fat, by the way, you could sue, you know. Holy shit. At best, he's, just, at th- best he's husky, right? I, I think I mean, he just... I think he just went hard because they had to like Benny Hill chase this woman through the streets and like. I mean, this is the '30s, but holy shit! And she was she was also paid like I, I think it was just also too was to play, play devil's advocate. I think it was also his annoyance at the whole situation because they paid her like like four thousand dollars and she's she's doing this bullshit. <laughs> oh my god! They paid her four grand and he got what? Nothing. Yeah, just just the. They should have paid it on. It, they should have paid it on contingency, you know, like that she can actually do the thing, and it can't be proven wrong. And then they could chase her Benny Hill style, trying to get their four thousand pounds back, which is a lot to be I, running with, you know. I wish I wish I had the money to be able to put that up. You know what I'm saying? I wish I had the kind of money to be like, listen, I'll pay a million dollars if somebody can prove to me that they have the power of telekinesis. Yeah. Well, you know who has the, you know who has that much money? Vince McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Um, Price wrote up the case in leaves from a psychosis or psychus psychosis. Psychus. It's it's like psychist. This kid that rode my bus in elementary school kind of talked like that, but he wore a helmet a lot, so I don't know if there's a kind of. A- well, it uses these it uses these weird terms that they would use during that time period instead of until like more. Like yeah, they weren't the scientific terms. Yeah, it's just weird. <laughs> um, but in this book in 1933, um, he in a chapter he calls the cheesecloth worshippers. Um, in this, he rep- uh, he publishes photographs of Duncan in his laboratory that revealed uh, fake ectoplasm made from cheesecloth, rubber gloves, and cut out hands from a magazine cover um, from magazine covers, which he pretended uh, to her audience were spirits. Uh, following the report written by Price, Duncan's former maid, Mary McGinley, uh, confessed in detail to having aided Duncan in her mediumship tricks, and Duncan's husband admitted the ectoplasm materializations to be the result of regurgitation. Uh, later, Duncan would be caught cheating again, pretending to be a spirit in the seance room. Uh, during her famous trial in 1944, uh, Price gave his results as evidence for the prosecution. Uh, this time, uh, Duncan and her traveling companions, Francis Brown, Ernest, and Elizabeth Homer, were prosecuted and convicted. Um, Duncan was jailed for nine months, uh, Brown uh, for four months, and the um, the Homers were uh, bound over, which in uh, British legal or uh, in, in in the British legal system essentially means that they give you like a, a a warning that if you act out or do something wrong in the future, they're going to uh, they're, they're going to put you in prison. That's like a misdemeanor. Um, but she was uh, essentially what happens is is that during the war, the ship that she does a seance for is the HMS uh, Barham, or Barham, and she says that uh, the she gives details about the ship that sunk, but she did so before the British government officially revealed that the ship had been sunk by the Germans. Okay. And, oh and shit! While, was she a fucking and spy? While, and while um, and while this was something that people could like know. Um, because, you know, just hearing, like, word of mouth, it is not something that was to be, like, officially published. 
Oh, okay. okay. Um, so, uh, so because she violated this this act, and they couldn't think of um, of an act, she was um, she was initially arrested under what was called the Vagrancy Act um, for like a minor, like sort of like offense. Um, but eventually, um, she was uh, she was tr- the last person tried under the Witchcraft Act of 1735, um, which covered uh, fraudulent. Uh, "Quote unquote spiritual activity," wow. um, which was uh, triable by a jury. Oh, whoops! <laughs> um, so she would end up getting nine months for that, and she's the last person to ever get um, to get convicted under this law. And essentially, they did away with the law because, like Winston Churchill, after this was all done, so this is this is stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's I like, looked up. I looked up pictures of this chick and uh, the pictures of the the ectoplasm. They are, let me just say, they are uh, not convincing <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah, but they didn't have mean, Photoshop back then, so, you know. I mean, I can't even imagine sitting in the room with this woman and her trying to pull this shit and me even... Oh, even Her fucking husband comes home from it. the mines and, and starts eating in the kitchen, and she goes, Oh, Bill, don't eat me ectoplasm, you know? and <laughs> It just looks so silly the pictures of her doing this yeah i guess if you're like in a very dark room like it's a little more convincing you know it's like the lights on at disney when you're going through the dark ride uh yeah that's true what are all these levers i thought there were ghosts (laughs) you telling me it's an illusion Um, he would do the uh, Brocken experiment in 1932, where he traveled to Mount Brocken in Germany with C.M. Uh, Jode and members of the National Laboratory to conduct a quote-unquote black magic experiment in connection with the centenary of, of uh, Goethe. Um, the, um, they did the, uh, the uh, Wilkesburg uh, Trist involving the transformation of a goat into a young man by the invocation of a maiden um, or, a, or a bone. Uh, better known as the uh, uh, film actress uh, Gloria Gordon, uh, produced a great deal of publicity, but not. Um, but they were unable to um, produce the magical transformation. Obviously. So okay, hold on, hold on. They wanted to transform a goat into a man by baiting him out with an with the film actress with a celebrity. No, no, it, it was a magical ritual, and she was. Um, she she sort of publicized it and she was involved in the ritual. Um so and then, and then it was an invocation. It was, she was an invocation from like the the person who cast it had to be a woman, essentially. Oh that's a big okay. thing in magic circles, like that the sex matters. Yeah, the the sex matters and then there there's a lot of stuff and like a lot of stuff too with like like the Golden Dawn and the get into their magic. A lot of it was just excuse for like Aleister Crowley to like like butt fuck people. He just had weird <laughs> oh sex. God. Yeah, that's what it was. It yeah, was, ab- it was it abracad- the magi- abracadabra spread them cheeks. You know, that's really what it was. <laughs> that was that was it's, essentially he was able like when he when he came into the Golden Dunks and and other magical organizations, he was able to rise to the top so quickly because he just figured out it was all just an excuse for like weird sex. Yeah, Alistair, Cra- Alistair Crowley is the. Uh, He's the like bicycle shop guy from Family Guy. All right, Timmy, now <laughs> scream real loud in my ass. <laughs> All right, you're in the Golden Dawn. Um, uh, Price claimed he carried out the experiment, uh, quote unquote, if only to prove the fallacy of transcendental magic. 
Um, in July of 1935, he and his friend Randall uh, Richard Lambert uh, would also go to the Isle of Man to investigate the case of Jeff, the talking mongoose, and produce the Jeff. book <laughs> and produce the book, the, the Haunting of of Cash and Scap in 1936. My name is Jeff. I love the story of Jeff the Talking Mongoose. This, I, I do love it. No, I, well, so you know, I was going to read it, but they banned it in Escambia County, so <laughs> couldn't get it from the library <laughs> along with the dictionary. So, <laughs> um, in the book, they avoided saying that they believed the story, but were careful to report it as though uh, as though with an open mind. The book reports how a hair from the alleged mongoose was sent to uh, Julian Huxley. Uh, who then sent it to the naturalist F. Martin Duncan, who identified it as dog hair. Uh, Price suspected that the hair belonged to Irving's sheepdog, Mona. Uh, Price asked Reginald uh, Pocock of the Natural History Museum to evaluate paw prints Pocock? allegedly made... Pocock? Yes. Uh, uh, Pocock, yes. Okay, just check. Um, <laughs> to evaluate paw prints allegedly made by Jeff in a uh, plasticine uh, together with an impression of his supposed tooth marks. Uh, Pocock could not match them to any known animal, though he conceded that one of them might have been conceivably made by a dog. He did state that none of the markings have been made by a mongoose. Um, Price visited the Irvings and observed uh, double walls of wooden paneling covering the interior rooms of the old stone farmhouse, which featured uh, considerable interior airspace between stone and wood walls that makes, quote-unquote, makes the whole house one great speaking tube with walls like sounding boards. Hmm. And it was the daughter, wasn't it? It was like the daughter that was trying to like throw her voice and acting like, my name's Jeff. And like, yeah. <laughs> people were going to believe that. <laughs> and the father's just like, oi, there's a talking mongoose in here. <laughs> You best not be after our vittles. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like the story of Jeff though because it's, it's, it's very like there's no there's no like evil poltergeist to it. It's just like you know, it's, it's just a magical talking mongoose. Yeah, yeah. It is a hundred percent somebody's like imaginary friend that they just like I don't know like took somebody on the road. <laughs> yeah, somebody heard them. They were like, "Who are you talking to?" It's like, ah, ah, ah. It's real. It's a real mongoose that lives in my attic. My name's Jeff. <laughs> See? <laughs> my name is Jeff. <laughs> my name is Jeff. Um, by speaking into one of the many apertures in the panels, it should be possible to convey the voice of various parts of the house, he said. Uh, according to Richard uh, Wiseman, Price and Lambert were less than enthusiastic about the case, including that the only the most credulous of individuals would be impressed with the evidence of Jeff. The diaries of James Irving, along with reports from about the case, are in Harry Price's archives in the Senate House Library, University of London. Um, as mentioned, uh, Price was uh, most famous uh, also as well for his investigation into Porley Rectory in Essex. Uh, the building became known as the most haunted house in England after Price published a book about it in 1940. He documented a series of alleged hauntings, from the time the rectory was built in 1863, um, he lived in the rectory from May 1937 to May of 1938, and he wrote of his ex- yeah, and wrote of his experiences in the book. I, I remember it's that I he rented that. out for a year. Yeah, I think I like that. You know, that shows a commitment to like, is this bullshit or not? I'm gonna live there. You know? Yeah. Um, psychical you don't know researcher. Until you live with it, you know. Yeah. 
do you get to know them? Get to know like what's their habits? What, what are their habits like? Are they they leave the toilet seat up? You know, yeah, or we'll they they clean in their dishes? You they know, always shit like a quarter inch outside the bowl for some reason. <laughs> are they those loud roommates first thing in the morning, just banging pots and pans around, <laughs> making breakfast, just be loud as hell? Yeah, yeah. Or are they quiet? Stepping softly through the living room, not waking you up as you drunkenly wake up on the couch. (laughs) You sound like you're interviewing for, like, a roommate. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Um, The psychical researcher, uh, John L. Randall, wrote that there was direct evidence of, quote-unquote, dirty tricks uh, played upon Price by members of the SPR. Um, So even even back then... he was living in the house? Yeah, that they were trying to like like mess with him. So that happened on an episode of. Uh, do you remember Ghost Hunters? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. It happened oh, yeah. on an episode of that when they like did the Queen Anne. I think they like went on the one boat, and um, more or less because of the video evidence that they had recording, they proved that someone had been in the room and moved something. Uh oh. Yeah. So they caught Busted. people like actually doing bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Um, on October the MTV show way back in the day, Fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to watch it. I used to love that show. Was it, was there any kind of fuckery on that show that you know of? Like, right off the no, top? I don't know anything about that show. No. Or was it just, hey, we're putting you in this scary fucking place overnight, and you get a camera, and that's it. Like that alone is enough to be kind I, of fucking scary. I think they just put excitable people in like scary places in pitch black dark with like a camera rig around them, and they're like, go. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I would be, look at some of those places they went to, I went back and watched some of the old episodes a while back, and I remember watching them being like, you know, these are night vision cameras, and it's still kind of dark, which means it is pitch fucking black. They, they just them. they just take them, you know, they just pull up a van up to, like, the, the entrance of the place. Dude, they have bags, bags over their heads, too. just they, just kick them in the ass out of the truck. And it's the, 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 drive. the ultimate <laughs> proof of the, of the stoic, uh, what's it called? The main stoic premise. That like your your mindset is like all of your judgments about the world are what make up your mindset. That there's not good or bad. There's just everything you think. So when you go into those situations, if you're innately afraid of the dark, which I think most of us are at some primal level, uh, you know, that's gonna scare the shit out of you. But if you're like um, intimately rational, do- you probably can walk into that thing no problem. I'm rational enough that I could walk into that thing. But the difference is when they're like, hey. You're going to go from this, like, little safe room. It's going to be pitch black and specifically, like, we'll say, like, the prison episode because like, that was, like, the first one they did or whatever. You have to, like, walk through all these cell blocks by yourself. Right. You have to walk down, like, through, like, death row, this, that, and the other. Like In the dark. On a, on a pr- yeah, In the dark. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing is you are in the pitch fucking black on a very visceral level that is terrifying yeah. because, like, it's just bad energy in that place. Wait, so you, bad believe, juju, so you believe in bad energy? Yeah, not <laughs> that there's a ghost there, but just the energy is just not good if you are walking through death. Yeah, world. I'm saying it's That's the ultimate not... proof of of the fact that your mind creates all those realities for you, and that they're not real. Like you should you right. should be on edge. You're probably in like a state of preparing. You know, like you're apprehensive, and so you're in like a defensive but posture the the day, it's just an empty building but because you know? it's dark and you can't put that one sense on things then you kind of feel like a little bit hobbled so you feel a little exposed which makes your mind race which makes your emotions get out of control and then when you lose control of your emotions that's when you get scared and you say things are ghosts because yeah well why wouldn't you i mean you can't see so yeah 
It's yeah. Um, on October 9th, 1931, a past president of the SPR, William Henry Salter, visited the Boilie Rectory in an attempt to persuade the rector, Lionel Foister, uh, um, to sever his links with Price and work with the SPR instead. Um, after Price's death in 1948, Eric Dingwall, Kathleen M. Goldney, and Trevor H. Hall, three members of the Society uh, for Psychical Research, two of whom had been uh, Price's uh, most loyal associates, uh, investigated his claims about Borley. Uh, their findings were published in a 1956 book titled The Haunting of Borley Rectory, which concluded Price had fraudulently produced some of the phenomena. Um, the Borley uh, report, as the SPR study had become known, stated that many of the phenomena were either faked or due to natural causes such as rats and the strange acoustics attributed to, uh, to the odd shape of the house. In their conclusion, Dingwall, Goldney, and Hall wrote, when analyzed, the evidence for haunting and poltergeist activity for each and every period appears to diminish um, in force and finally to vanish away. Uh, Terence Hines wrote, uh, Mrs. Uh, Marianne Foister, wife of Reverend uh, Lionel Foister, who lived at the rectory from 1930 to 1935, was actively engaged in fraudulently created haunting phenomena. Price himself, uh, quote-unquote, salted the mine and faked several phenomena while he was at the rectory. Wait a minute, why would he fake phenomena if he's at the rectory to be a skeptic? I guess because he wanted to sell books, maybe. Yeah, at some point you gotta pay for your lumbago, you know? Okay. So, so you can do the lumbata. <laughs> yeah, at some point <laughs> you gotta pay dance. for your lumbata lessons. Uh, Robert Hastings was one of the few uh, SPR uh, researchers to defend Price. Um, Price's literary executor, uh, Paul Tabori and Peter Underwood, have also defended uh, Price against accusations of fraud. That's a more- good point, by the way. That's why James Randi's thing is called an honest liar. Because if you get really good at sleight of hand, ledger domain, all that stuff, uh, yeah. you're so good at it that you could probably convince people of goddamn near anything. Because you're just so good at it. You have recourse, you have fixes you can get yourself out of any particular situation if somebody tries to expose your trick so you're you're really good at fooling people and so like some of these guys are really hard to kind of nail down so i could see like him doing a similar thing if he's so good at detecting whether these people are full of shit then maybe he's also really good at being full of shit you know uh maybe he's full of shit well maybe he just like you know convinced himself that that was a good idea. I don't know. I think Steve's going to tell us, but I don't know. Um, A similar approach was made by um, Ivan Banks in 1996, and and Michael Coleman in an SPR report in 1997 wrote Price's defenders were unable to uh, rebut the criticisms convincingly. Um, His uh, investigation of Borway was also the subject of a a 2013 best-selling novel by Neil Spring titled The Ghost Hunters. Um, the novel was subsequently adopted for television as Harry Price Ghost Hunter. Is it a fiction book? Well, why? Well, I, I think it's a historical fiction based on you know them being there. Okay. Okay. Uh, um, he um he would also investigate. Uh, he he would claim to attend the uh, private séance on December fifteenth, nineteen thirty-seven, in which a small six-year-old girl uh, called Rosalie appeared. Uh, Price wrote he controlled the room by placing starch uh, powder over the floor, 
locking the door and taping the windows before the seance. However, the identity of the sitters or the local or locality where the seance was held was not revealed due to the alleged request of the mother of the child. Uh, during the seance, Price claimed a small girl emerged. She spoke, and he took her pulse. Uh, Price was suspicious that the supposed spirit of the child was no different than a human being, but after the seance had finished, the starch powder was undisturbed, and none of the seals had been removed on the windows. Uh, Price... Mm. Price was convinced no one had entered the room via door or window during the seance. Um, And in his uh, 50 years of psychical research, written in 1939, describes his experiences at the sitting and includes a diagram of the seance room. Bro, straight up, this little girl was hiding behind a curtain. Uh, Eric uh, Dingwall and Trevor Hall, they would write that the Rosalie seance was fictitious and that Price had lied about the whole affair, but had based some of the details... I have no idea. On the description. Um, they're, they're the guys that also debunked the poorly report. They're other psychical researchers. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, uh, they, they lied about the whole affair, but it based some of the details of the description of the house from a sitting he attended at a much earlier time in Broccoli, South London, uh, where he used to live. In where? South London? Uh, broccoli. <laughs> okay. Um, like the vegetable? Yeah. God no, like, damn right. <laughs> um, K.M. Goldney, uh, who had criticized Price over his investigation into the Borley Rectory, wrote after the morning of the Rosalie sitting, she found Price, quote-unquote, shaken to the core by his experience. Uh, Goldney believed Price had told the truth about the seance and informed the Two World Spiritualist Weekly newspaper that she believed the Rosalie sitting to be genuine. In 1985, Peter Underwood published a photograph of part of an anonymous letter that was sent to the SPR member David Cohen in the 1960s, which claimed to be from a seance sitter who attended the seance. Uh, the letter confessed to having uh, impersonated the Rosalie child in the sitting by the request of the father, who had owed the mother uh, of the child money. In 2017, Paul Adams published details of the location of the Rosalie seance and identities of the family involved. Um, so it seems like it was that it did actually happen, but that it was, you know, uh, obviously faked in a way that he wasn't expecting. Right. Um, Price would experience a massive heart attack at his home in Polborough, West Sussex, and died almost instantly on March 29th, 1948. Wow. Oh, shit. Um, his archives were deposited with the... Un- <laughs> <laughs> Just removes his beard and mustache and just just drops them in like the trash and just walks off. Kaiser Soze. I had you all fooled, didn't I? And that's how Hitler did it. <laughs> he just Big has spoiler he- alert for the usual suspects released in nineteen ninety what six. Kaiser Soze. <laughs> I am yeah, Kaiser Soze. Th- yeah, there's a I I've I've been told there's a seventeen year uh like thing where you moratorium. can after 17 years you yeah. can yeah moratorium where you can spoil films after 17 years i love i'm gonna uh, tell you what the first time i, I saw the movie. usual suspects dude my mind was fucking blown because I, nobody had spoiled it for yep. me it was the first time i had ever seen it and i was just like what samesies fuck and then they go through like all the little clues that would have keyed you in and i was like yo shut yeah, up yeah like yo i'm an idiot you know like i'm a dumbass i should not see that, that. yeah that's pretty amazing. Um, Price's uh, archives were deposited with the University of London between 1976 and 1978 by his widow. 
They include his correspondence, drafts of his publications, papers relating to libel cases, reports on his investigations, uh, press cuttings, and photographs. His collection of magic books and periodicals is held at Senate House Li- at the Senate House Library, part of the University of London, and is called the Harry Price Library of Magical Literature. The collection includes 13,000 items and was established uh, by a bequest from his estate in 1948. Hmm. Um, psychologist and skeptic Richard Wiseman has praised Price for his work in debunking fraudulent mediums and investigating paranormal claims. According to Wiseman, Price devoted the scientific study to weird stuff that both delighted the world's media and infuriated believers and skeptics alike. Um, the stage magician and sci- uh, scientific skeptic James Randi wrote Price accomplished some valuable and genuine research, but lived, uh, quote-unquote, a strange mixture of fact and fraud. Yeah, James Randi didn't play, by the way. He was, like, all about the life, like, trying to debunk people constantly, you know. Uh, Psychical researcher Renee uh, Haynes uh, described Price as one of the most fascinating and storm-provoking figures in psychical research. Um, Storm-provoking? Yeah, I guess it's sort of like a very British way of saying, like, he causes conflict. Yeah, stormy. Jesus Christ. I got you. I follow. Um, British people have such weird slang. Yeah. The science writer about us, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm about to say, yeah, this is a country that says no cap. Yeah. No cap, dog. <laughs> Where's their dog? I don't see one. Science writer Mary Roach, in her book Spook Science Tackles the Afterlife, written in 2010, favorably mentioned Price's methods and research in debunking the fraudulent medium Helen Duncan. Um, and uh, several uh, biographies have been written about Price. Uh, Paul Tabori's uh, biography in 1974 is generally sympathetic to him. Uh, historian Trevor H. Hall's uh, 1978 one is much more critical. And the uh, the latest biography uh, uh, by Richard Morris in 2006 is also critical, concluding that Price should best be remembered as a supreme bluffer, a hedonistic con man, a terrific Damn, uh, raconteur, a great conjurer, a gifted writer, and a wonderful eccentric. And a big old all-around horny boy. I feel like it, if you take these works for entertainment instead of, like, gospel, they're a lot easier to digest, and it makes um, Mr. Price a lot more of a fun guy instead of looking at him like a con man, you know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the thing is, is like it's it's, again, it's the big difference between... Is the magician there to, or the researcher there to be entertaining, or are they there trying to prove that they do something? And if they're there trying to prove that they do something and they make money off of that thing, then they are a fraud. If you're there to entertain people and your goal is not to sit there and prove something, you know, otherworldly is going on, you're not really a fraud. You're an entertainer, which is what most magicians are. That's like the whole thing with Yuri Geller. That's why I was saying you, you absolutely can sue him because Yuri Geller was selling the fact that he was actually magical. Yeah, he's not saying like, oh, look at me do this trick. Yeah. Uh, he was like saying like, no, I actually am a psychic. I work with the government. Yeah, um, he was like the Frank Dukes of magicians, basically. <laughs> he he, he now claims... Frank, by the way. I know you're still alive. I'll kick your ass in the kumite, by the way. He uh, he claimed that he got taken to like some underground bunker where uh, where he saw like the dead aliens. Oh my god! 
No, Jesus Christ. <sighs> you know what, Steve? <laughs> Don't ever talk. Alright? On that note... <laughs> <laughs> Good night. Good night. Bye.